The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined in spirit with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know at the very end of 2018. And whew, what a year it's been, you know? Conspiracy stuff. It's the, the end, end of, of the year as we know it. <laughs> yeah. we, bought, we, we only bought that much. Yep. Song. That's, That's where we yeah. had to stop. And we couldn't do the specific lyrics. No. no. But maybe we can do a, a brief recap of the adventures that we have had and that you have had listening along with us, maybe even seen us live. We did our first legit tour, which was a, a, a whole different bag of badgers and a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I uh, believe we went to twice a week. Was that this year or the year before? That was this year. Yeah. Uh, so two episodes a week. And uh, we have now made well over 300 episodes of the audio podcast. Is that a fact? That is yep. a fact. That is just a little over yeah. 300. I don't <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It does mean that episodes are starting to fall off of the available episodes. Mm -hmm. If you're just listening to this through Apple Podcasts or a few other uh, podcast serving things. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, 
you might see some of the old ones come back one day in 2019. With some new information probably because there are a few that we could update. A few are timeless like the Bernays episode I stand by. I still go back to that one sometimes if I need to win an internet argument. Yeah. <laughs> Good old Bernays. <laughs> but I shouldn't say win an internet argument because we also have episodes on why you can't win an argument online. Oh, yeah. That's also a great one. It's very um, true. So let's just go through this, gentlemen. First episode from 2018 that we did was about ghost lights. You remember that one? Oh, the yeah. Of the Wisps? The Marfa ghost it's lights? The, it's the oh, Marfa, yeah, specifically those ghost lights. Different different ghost lights. Well, there. I think we did several in that, but there's one, the Marfa ones are the big one where it's just – Disembodied lights. And we talk about Will o' the Wisp in there. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. It's all coming back to me. You know, I learned something about Marfa the other day. Mm. Apparently, there is an art installation Prada store uh, in Marfa, Texas. That's like right off of some deserty highway, and there's like a Gucci or a Prada store, and it's meant to be kind of a joke. Well, we've got to go. Is it, re- is it actually by Prada? I don't know. It would be really funny if it wasn't. It was just somebody's collection that got donated. Or somebody's last name was Prada. Yeah. Yeah. So it's important for us to say that this is not a clip show. We're not not, uh, having a little bit of banter and then just throwing in snippets of old episodes, most of which you can already listen to. We did think that would be funny, but uh, we decided against it. We wanted to do something substantive and hopefully new. We're well aware that twice a week we dive into a vast range of rabbit holes, topics, unsolved mysteries, not the TV show, thought experiments, and so on. And once we record these episodes, the world, as it is wont to do, moves on and moves along, swinging toward one more orbit round the sun. And sometimes we will learn new information separately or together. And sometimes, in fact, we'll learn revelations that turn the original facts on their head. So come along with us just a little further into the darkness as we look back on 2018 and all its ugly, disturbing glory. And assuming that Matt, Noel, and I survived this recording, we'll also make a few guesses about the cover-ups, conspiracies, and allegations we can expect to find in 2019. I know I made that sound like a bummer. I know I made it sound like it's just going to get worse. Yeah, I mean, it does imply that perhaps we'll be talking about The Mueller investigation. So to keep this from sounding completely apocalyptic and to keep it from being an absolute downer, such as the the troubling Kurum cult case, uh, we thought we could start off with some of the good things that our species did across 2018, some of the real milestones of innovation, impressive, positive discoveries and breakthroughs that we've made. There's so much stuff like space. We launched a bunch of stuff in space recently. It's true. A bunch of stuff. Uh, And here are some of that bunch. Um, In planetary exploration, the NASA InSight seismology probe launched in May of 2018 and landed on the planet Mars in November. Uh, Then we've got the Parker Solar Probe, which launched to explore the sun in August 2018 and reached its First, uh, I believe the word is perihelion, Ben, but I'm going to need you to help me fill in some gaps You nailed it. You nailed it, my friend. Perihelion, the point at which the orbit of a heavenly object comes closest to the sun. 
Yes, that's the very, that's the very one, Ben. Thank you. And then on the 20th of October, the ESA and JAXA, uh, or as I like to refer to them, ESA and JAXA, mm-hmm. um, they're like brother and sister, like Mortal Kombat um, contenders or something like that, uh, launched Bepi Colombo. Uh, Bepi? I think it's Bepi. Yeah. Bepi. Yeah. To Mercury. Like, like Buca de Bepi. Pepe yep. Colombo. It's yeah. more fun to say it, it that way. It is a lot of fun to say that way, although potentially problematic, but I think we're fine with it. Um, uh, to Mercury. That's where it went. On um, a 10-year mission featuring several flybys, and eventually it deployed two orbiters in 2025 to study the local terrain. Which is a huge deal because Mercury is super inhospitable. I mean it's not – you know. Jupiter, Venus level inhospitable, but because it, it's not a gas giant, but it's uh, it's got a large variance of temperatures. It's not for Earthlings or Earth things. Just hanging out right there by the sun, which yep. is never a great idea. Yep, and the big one of the big reveals is we found water on Mars. So if you are in the audience and you have for years been saying there's more to Mars than people want you to know, in a way. You are correct. Uh, For a long time, people thought that uh, rumors of water on Mars were just alarmist stuff or wishful thinking. But on July 25th, 2018, the Italian Space Agency announced researchers had discovered an underground lake on Mars. The Mars Advanced Radar for Subsurface and Ionosphere Sounding Instrument, or MARSIS, uncovered this stuff using a ground-penetrating radar. It's a subglacial lake. It's about, it's more than 12 miles wide, and it's three feet deep. That was, last part's anticlimactic. I was really, well, I, I was really hoping you were going to say underground lair on Mars. <laughs> that would have been really cool. Hey, we haven't examined a, a ton of uh, the Martian underground. Also, the Martian underground sounds like a good band name. Dude. I've got four quick rapid-fire things that happened in 2018. You ready? Shoot them right at our faces, Matt. First one, Black Panther came out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a positive, right? Net yeah, positive, great. Black Panther came out? Come Huge. on. yeah. Uh, Kendrick Lamar won a Pulitzer Prize. He did. Mm-hmm. Come on, that's crazy. 2018, all right? This is feeling good. I don't good. see what any of this has to do with the show, though. This is saying these are good things that happened in 2018. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And, and th- they're great things. What's number three? The big thing has to do with uh, maybe representation in media and stuff they don't want you to know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a big one. Harvey Weinstein. That happened in 2018, as in justice, not as in Harvey Weinstein oh, did the yeah. bad stuff. I mean, Harvey Weinstein actually got uh, handled. I think everyone listening could feel the tension as the rest of us were waiting to see where you were going to go with that. <laughs> All right, what's number four? Um, well, I was going to say, I was going to say number four is that Cosby's in jail, but I don't know if that's, I don't know. Well, one way or another, he won't be there for long. There you go. Did not mean that to sound so cryptic. Right. Good things. These are good things. Uh, the natural world, we, we found some really cool stuff. In September, quite recently, in 2018, researchers in South Africa found the world's largest dinosaur. It's named, whew, this is going to be a doozy, Ledumahadi Mafube, or giant thunderclap at dawn. Cool. In, in the local language, Sesotho. It weighed 26,000 pounds, making it the largest land animal on Earth in its time. It's the biggest. We finally did it. Everyone who loved Jurassic Park when you were a kid, guess what? 
there's going to be another one because I know they're going to want to squeeze this guy in. And squeeze is probably the appropriate word. I mean, there was already going to be another one. And they're just, they make those movies till the grosses go down. I learned that from Last Action Hero. It's true. It's true. Wow. They keep making sequels till the grosses go down. Now, when I was a kid, I didn't understand what grosses were. Yeah. But now as a bitter adult, it's the only thing I can see when I look at movies. I always thought that gross was just such a poor choice of words for that. Because when you hear what something gross is as a child, you, you think back to how graphic it might have been, right? Yeah. We also found the oldest animal. Uh, since 1947, our species has held on to a mysterious fossil that only goes by the name Dickinsonia. And in September of 2018, Australian scientists said, we finally figured it out. They identified it. It turns out it's the holy grail of paleontology. It is the earliest known member of the animal kingdom. So if you subscribe to evolution – means we found our oldest ancestor that would still be an animal. And this this sucker was around, uh, was kicking, its glory days occurred about 558 million years ago. And they know this through an analysis of fat molecules on the animal or on the fossil. And this means that it existed 20 million years before the Cambrian explosion event which is where most animals are thought to have originated. That's really, really cool. It is. We found so many other cool things in the natural world. The first proven uh, interspecies human hybrid of a Denisovan and a Neanderthal was discovered, which is strange because I don't know about you guys, but ever since we first heard of Denisovans, I've been wondering what they look like, you know? Mm -hmm. I think for a while it was just some finger bone in Western China or something. That's all you got. That's all you got. And then we have uh, some good news about the human population today. Oh, should we go ahead and check the human population before we get into all of this? Yeah, let's check. <laughs> let's check it right now. Let's see. According to worldometers.info, <laughs> super legit, <laughs> the current world population is 7,669,275,000. And 50, because it just hit that number. Okay. Yeah. And we'll check back at the end to uh, see how much that number has changed. Uh, also, happy birthday to the over 255,000 people who are being born as we speak. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you all. Uh, we found more lost cities and civilizations. Those used to be a myth, but now with new... Uh, forensic techniques and technological breakthroughs, we're finding more and more lost cities and civilizations, more than we ever thought possible. Yeah, this happened back in March, which, you know, seems like forever ago, but it was this year, everyone. So these archaeologists from the University of Exeter found remains of different different types of structures, uh, whole villages, just some man-made ditches, some pottery, other evidence of life in um, these very specific parts of the Amazon. It's really cool because the remains were located in areas that were like far enough away from the river and other water sources that made it a bit puzzling because generally humanity, especially early on, just goes to where that water source is and that's where civilization begins, um, where the fertile ground is, correct? Mm -hmm. So um, the, re the remains are located further away from these water sources than expected and it's, it's also in portions of the um, rainforest that scholars previously assumed just – 
people wouldn't go there and live. It's too far away from the water. But guess what? They did. They yeah. People existed there. And they built a ton of stuff. Yeah. And also this means that there's much, much more out there in the depths of the Amazonian rainforest for us to discover. But time is ticking because the rainforest eats man-made things very quickly. You know what I mean? So it's it's a race between us and the ecosystem to see what we can learn about our ancestors. Uh, we also found a really cool slash disturbing breakthrough in aging. That's right. And a study published in March of 2018 in the journal Cell. March was a good month, everybody. It was a very good year. A month was a month. <sighs> Uh, a team of Boston researchers led by Dr. David Sinclair revealed that they found a way to reverse aging in mice. Um, aging in mammals is related to a molecule called NAD, uh, which is necessary for survival. And uh, it's NAD, NAD levels, uh, naturally drop over time, leading to age-related diseases. But uh, when Sinclair found a way to boost NAD levels <laughs> – no. Can't do it. Yeah. No. Do I it. think you got to no. keep the NAD levels, Paul. When, when Sinclair found a way to boost NAD levels uh, via a dietary supplement in older mice, the cells became young again and the mice's overall health improved. Well, that is – that's – Beautiful, but that also means that we may soon be facing a time where with the right money, influence, or opportunity, humans can slow or even reverse their aging. Would you do it? Would you guys do it? I think we talked about this. You said you would. Sure. If you were able to kill yourself. Yes. I, I, I said I would live forever as long as I had the option of taking my own life. Just a kill switch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would extend it. Sure, I would do anything that made me potentially, you know, healthier and younger. Yeah, reverse mm. all the horrible things I've done to myself over the years. Yeah, I probably wouldn't. Probably wouldn't. Yeah, I think I enjoy the whole mortal coil thing. Yeah, it gives Very life noble of you, Matt. No, I just, I think I'll be ready. I think by the time I'm in my seventies, eighties, I'll be like, okay. Yeah, but what if what, what are you going to do when – look, medicine is accelerating in such incredible rate, Matt. What are you going to do when you're 123 and you're like, I've seen every Jurassic Park film in the franchise. And okay, yes. <laughs> I, will, I will make sure to be bitten by several mosquitoes. I'll trap them in amber <laughs> and I'll make sure that that DNA is kept somewhere in a place that Ian Malcolm or some other scientist will find it. I love that you pointed out DNA because another big thing that longtime listeners will recognize from earlier this year is the um, the use of genetic research to close cold cases, especially serial killers. The original Night Stalker. Yeah. Out of nowhere, no one thought that guy would be caught. They thought he was dead. They thought he got away until he Forensic was genealogy yeah. came in and they were like, oh, there you go. We got him. Yep. <laughs> Not as simple as that, but – Well, it also has some implications that we examine in the episode. What do you do if you want to keep uh, a private entity from profiting off your genetic information? There's not much you could do right now. There really isn't. All it takes is one member of your family being involved in a certain type of crime, uh, joining the military or submitting their DNA results to a 23andMe type or Ancestry.com type of outfit. Yeah, it's a pretty – strange thing and I actually did quite a bit of digging in this even mm -hmm. after that episode. So maybe we can talk about that later. Oh, that would be 
that would be awesome. Uh, this this is just a small list of some of the astonishing things that were happening in 2018. And it's, we, we just scratched the tip of the proverbial iceberg here. There were many, 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 many more things that either briefly popped up in the news or did not get reported at all or did not get the attention they deserve. Like and, Jordan Peele's Oscar. <laughs> like Jordan Peele's Oscar, Matt. And we'll get to some of these darker occurrences after a word from our sponsor. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. 
Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. Here's where it gets crazy. So we have a lot of updates to stories. Right? Oh, yeah. We have a ton of updates. So I think we mentioned previously at the very end of one episode, on unrelated note, uh, the Chinese scientist, He Jiangqiu, who said that he had successfully broken several laws, by the way. Yeah. He had successfully used the gene editing technology known as CRISPR to make two human embryos immune to HIV. At the with the admitted cost of making them much more susceptible to other diseases such as West Nile virus. Mm-hmm. But then stuff got a little crazy. Yeah, stuff got even crazier. Okay, so his Chinese colleagues and peers and his in his cohort were appalled. They thought this makes everyone look bad. Uh, Western medical organizations felt the same way, and then we learned that. After the shortly after this was reported, this doctor, the scientist, disappeared. No one knows what happened to him. So officially, he went on leave, right? That's what at least the official channels were saying. That's what the official channels are saying. But this is right after Chinese authorities denounced the experiments as a quote extremely abominable in nature type of endeavor. Does that mean that the girls are now abominations? They're heavily implying it, yeah. Mm. And also, he still just claimed to do this. There hasn't been any universally accepted proof. Mm -hmm. But the problems with this are that we don't know the long-term risk of what happens. He edited something that was pretty unnecessary. And most importantly, this is what was called a germline edit, meaning that when those kids, if they ever have children, their children will carry this mutation unless they somehow mutate themselves, which is in the cards. We don't know how much can you futz with someone's genetic code before it starts sort of collapsing like a Jenga tower. Well, to quote Ian Malcolm from the aforementioned Jurassic Park films, life finds a way. Ooh. Life uh, finds a uh. way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I guess what that can be interpreted to mean is, is if you, you, know, you go futz and life's going to futz back mm-hmm. and it could create some results that you might not want to futz with. Yeah. You, you can know, only futz into the <laughs> abyss. Sorry. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, there's also a uh, professor at Rice University here in the U.S., Michael Deem. He was, I guess, he's also under investigation because he potentially had a role mm-hmm. in making all of this happen. So I don't know. He might be a good way or at least looking into him might be a good way to find out more about uh, the other scientists. Well, we talked about this in our uh, biohacking episode, mm-hmm. um, you know, the self-experimentation episode, which, you know, I would argue – in my opinion, individuals have the right to do things to themselves if they're consenting adults or whatever. The government would argue otherwise when it comes to things like taking illegal drugs or what have you. But with this, where did the permission come from? You know, it came from the mother. 
But, but the embryos can't consent. Yeah. I know, but then that goes into like uh, questions about guys. I'm getting really contentious here. Go but about like abortion, for example. Sure. You know, the mother consents, but the I'm just saying, like, it's not that I don't. I'm not likening them to each other. I just think it's an. It's like you're asking a similar question. Yeah. Like you know, the fetus doesn't have the ability to say no, don't do that. I you know, am am sentient and, and have opinions because they don't. So it's all on the mother. But then they're the ones that are going to deal with those ramifications down the line, not the mother, when they're an adult. Well, also their children and their children's children's children and so on and so on. You know, that unless somebody went back in to their offspring and re-edited the genetic sequence, this is a permanent change to – sounds dramatic to say it, but this is a permanent change to their bloodline, to their legacy – I'm trying to use the phrase bloodline more often. Just, That's right. So you're talking about a, a, a arbitrary choice that one rogue researcher made that has the potential to have generational consequences. Yeah, and generational non-consent as mm, well. Yeah. It's it's a pickle for sure. And the, the strange thing about this is that if you ask his former uh, – his, his former research institute – the Southern University of Science and Technology as well as China's Ministry of Science and Technology, all they will tell you is that they can't answer any questions regarding the matter right now. If they have any information, they'll update through their official channels and this scientist has been banned from conducting any further research. So he's a science criminal or yes. he might well be after yeah. the investigation concludes. Whew. So where are you, Dr. He? Write to us. Let us know. We promise not to snitch. But people are looking for you. People are also looking for the Zodiac Killer. Oh, yes, that's right. So with the success of forensic genealogy catching several people, including the Golden State Killer slash original Night Stalker slash East Area Rapist slash Vasilla Ransacker, um, people are looking to other cold cases and the Zodiac Killer happens to be one of the most – uh, famous, I guess, cold cases that exists out there. Infamous. In, yeah, it is, it's one of the most well-known, at least mm -hmm. the name of it, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't hurt that there was a 2007 movie that was not a blockbuster, but was still a film that some people saw. Anyway, uh, the same techniques, forensic genealogy, are being used to try and hunt this guy down. But, you know, and again, I know we've mentioned this before in the show. We're just wrapping it up here, but... The the original Night Stalker, the Golden State Killer, he was a rapist and he mm -hmm. left um, plenty of evidence behind, I guess. But in the Zodiac's case, there was almost zero evidence. The only thing that is thought to be feasible, which is being used right now, the only way to get a, a sample is to test these stamps that were sent in on letters to places like the San Francisco Chronicle. And if you imagine just licking a stamp and then – trying to get a DNA sample out of saliva that's been around for 50 years, 50 years by the time you're hearing this, um, that's not great. And that's not one of the best ways to get a sample. And one of the, one of the ways you know this, it's not the best way. When you do a 23andMe uh, sample set and you actually send in your own 23andMe kit, you spit into this giant tube until it fills up – I don't even know how many milliliters, but it's a large test tube full of your spit that they use to uh, test your DNA. And you're just getting the tiny amount of saliva that you'd use for a stamp. Mm -hmm. um, it's It doesn't look great. But I have to go back to forensic genealogy really fast just to talk about that. Um, I actually went to 23andMe 
and talked to people there, given it is somebody who's versed in public relations, right, that you're talking to that's giving you all of these uh, – all of this information. But according to them, not a single bit of their users, their client's DNA goes anywhere to any third party. According to her, according to them, we did a little more research and we couldn't find an instance of 23andMe working with a third party. Uh, it was specifically this thing called GEDmatch, which is a completely separate entity where you you as a client of Ancestry.com or 23andMe, you go to this thing called GEDmatch. It looks like a 2006, 2007 website. And you upload your genetic information that you got from a place like an Ancestry.com or a 23andMe. And that thing is what that thing is what law enforcement are using GEDmatch to find these killers in these cold cases. Mm-hmm. So it is a third party, but it's it's a user-based third-party system. It's not coming directly from the Ancestry websites. You know, I always thought when I was reading about this, I always thought it was GED match yeah. initially. And I thought maybe it was uh, some sort of dating service. It's just – it's uh, – I forget what is it. Genetic something mm, match. Yeah. It's an acronym. Match. And there's this guy we ended up talking to. His name is Paul Holes and he's kind of well-known in this sphere because he and several other people were the guys who actually – I guess they – Caught, they caught the Golden State Killer because they discovered through forensic genealogy that they had they got this guy who hit all these markers. And again, as we said before, they didn't have his DNA on file with the gene, genealogy sites. They had his cousins and his extended family, but they ended up catching him. But this Paul Holes guy like tells you this whole story about <laughs> how difficult that was, that process of narrowing down uh, – because there's so many stinking humans, as we said. Should we check up again or just we'll just check up at the end? Well, let's save it for the end. Let's see how far we okay. get. Let's, okay. let's see how many more people are born and how many more people remain alive. Uh, also, we didn't mention when we checked last time, over 107,000 people died today. At least when we checked. Wow. Yeah. Today. Today as well. Today so far. Well, let's pour one out. <laughs> as we Yes. 1,000. How many? Uh, over 107,000. Let's pour 107,000 out. It's bad for the economy. I know. It's bad for the environment too. There was another – speaking of death and expiration, there was another person who met an untimely end quite recently this year and they died in a way that was not familiar to most of the mainstream public, it's safe to say, but very familiar to you and uh, to everyone listening to this show. There was a murder at North Sentinel Island. And I can't remember – how long ago was it that we first examined North Sentinel Island? 2014 maybe? 2014 maybe. It started as video I think first Mm -hmm. and then we did an audio episode on it. North Sentinel Island, just for the – the quick and dirty gist of it is a tiny, tiny place off the coast of India, the Bay of Bengal. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, they, uh, the population of this island has lived alone with relatively little human contact. Uh, in the age of European expansion, some people were actually stolen by Europeans. Um, several of them died. A few of them returned. But even before then – And ever since then, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of North Sentinel Island have violently attacked, without exception, 
every person who tries to contact them or get on shore. I say that guy had it coming. That's right. Yeah. He knew. And for for a while, uh, for several years after we did this episode, it might have been something that your fellow listeners relegated to the category of neat but irrelevant until that is – until that is one individual felt spiritually called to contact the people of North Sentinel Island despite all of the warnings and despite the – he took multiple trips. He went there three times. John Allen Chow – was 26 years old at the time, felt like it was his mission in life to convert the people of the isolated North Sentinel Island community to his spiritual belief system. In his case, it was Christianity. Everybody warned him. Everybody told him not to do it. He did not listen. He, uh, he saw himself as a missionary. You know, he saw himself as someone who's willing to risk their lives for the greater good. And he did. And I'm not sure where the greater good comes into play, but. I was being a little callous at the top of the show. Okay. Had it come, no one deserves to die, but you you, you are punished for being stupid. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, not listening to people. Not listening. He didn't speak any of the related local languages. Also, look, people can't really communicate with folks of North Sentinel Island. We don't understand their language. That's right, which is – I didn't know a lot about this until I started reading up on the story. Mm. I was not really aware of this community, let alone the fact that they have some kind of hybridized, like, you know, isolated language like the Gullah or something like that. Like, Mm. it's crazy that that even is allowed to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Allowed is a strong word, but I mean – you know what I mean, though? Doesn't Mm -hmm. it seem like we usually swoop in and – Wipe stuff like that off the map. Like how 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 are we just not by we? I just mean the species. Yeah, exactly. Like how how do we not have a problem with that? Well, because they were so isolated and they were so difficult to get to. Also, because let's be candid, there were not any valuable natural resources. That's what say. Like yeah, they, yeah. Probably no no need to build a parking lot there. Like a resort, not enough land for a resort. Right, right. It's only twenty miles. Uh, I think twenty miles across. And maybe a hundred people are in this group. Uh, they're living the way that all of our common ancestors did thousands and thousands of years ago. But they are picking up some technologies from things that wash ashore, like they're taking shipwrecks or you know the the belongings of their victims and crafting metal implements and stuff. So, so progress continues. It's just at a different pace there, and they've been isolated for so long that. John Allen Chow, despite his intentions, uh, may well have sealed their fate after thousands of years of existing in virtual isolation. When they killed him, and I agree with you, people don't deserve to die, but there are consequences to ignoring what everyone tells you not to do. When they killed him, they took his body and people were still trying to figure out how to retrieve his body. One of the big concerns being that this guy has modern vaccinations to diseases and may well carry things that would be, you know, just a a passing infection for most of the rest of the world, you know, a head cold or something or a a relatively benign virus. Well, not benign, but you know what I mean, a non-fatal virus. There we go. But for this population, this is a death sentence. They just the same thing that happened when Europeans first came to the Americas. 
right? This, this wave of plague and disease proceeds outward. So the question is, will the people of North Sentinel Island be around next year? Because if, if something breaks out, the population is so um, homogenous by this yep. point. It's kind of – it's similar to uh, the way the Gros Michel banana went extinct so quickly due to a virus and due to the fact that uh, bananas were essentially clones of each other. I'm not saying these people are clones. I'm just saying there's not there's not the kind of um, genetic variety that we would need to have a reasonable chance of expecting these people to live. Not a lot of outside interaction in that gene pool. You're absolutely correct. And the way they live or they appear to and seem to live and move together on the island mm-hmm. um, pretty closely. If if one person gets sick, you're right, Ben, It's that's a death sentence for everybody. That's scary. And, and it may well result in intervention from the modern world. You know, what if there's enough of an international or academic stink raised and we send in a group of people like in uh, special forces from the Indian Army? Let's save the Sentinelese and yeah. then – can you imagine how nightmarish that would be? Yeah. Have you considered the distinct possibility that this guy's like youth group compatriots might go back and seek revenge? That's a good question. I don't know if they do it for vengeance, but maybe they they might double down, you right? Go. You think they would? I, I just don't think – it doesn't seem like anybody felt as strongly about this as this lone wolf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I hope he didn't hear our show and then get inspired. Surely not. Surely not. Or watch our video or something? Hopefully not. Hopefully we collectively did a um, a clear enough job of establishing the reasons why one should not go there. But regardless of whether or not you agree with John Allen Chow's aims or his mission, we can say that every loss of life is a tragedy and our thoughts go out to his surviving relatives, his friends and his family. On a lighter note, uh, you guys ready? You guys ready to, we, uh, to get light? On a, yeah, on a lighter note, we'll find out what impression that was after a word from our sponsor. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien life. At least not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home. Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know true crime, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. What was it, Matt? I, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just me. Was it like... It was Ra- just you? Yeah. Was that like a Polly Walnuts? It was Barack Obama. I oh. thought it was. I thought you were going for Donald Trump. I, no, I, oh. it was uh, Gene Simmons. There you go. It was, of course, <laughs> it was your flawless. It was Gene Andrew Simmons. Dice Clay. That's what it was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <laughs> what we decided to do at this part of the episode, so over the break, we said we we were going to do an up to date, an uh, an up to date look at the Mueller report or the the Mueller investigation, which, as we speak, is ongoing and probably will be ongoing for a while. But you keep getting so many dribs and drabs of news about this that in our notes, all it says is, let's Google the Mueller report right now. That's right. And we're all going to take different sources. So I call Fox News. <laughs> okay. Uh, I will I will go with um, – I, I will definitely not do Fox News. I will go with um, – what's a good – The Hill? Is that one? Sure. Somebody take like a British newspaper. Oh yeah, or I'll do Economist. Outside. How about that? Yeah, <clears throat> right. I'm going to do the National Review. Perfect. All right. So if we're looking at the Economist, after uh, <laughs> these, the British have such a such a um, talent for snarky titles in this sort of reporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this. Economist article was published three days ago, and it is titled Mueller, she wrote. Huh? Oh. Uh, so much of the Mueller report is already public. 
what does it say? And that's that's true. What they point out here, this was from December 8th, that there are hundreds of pages from the office, from Mueller's office, that have already been published. And this investigation has been running for 81 weeks and counting. So you're going to hear a lot of You'll hear a lot of noise about this from both sides of the political divide in the United States. One thing that's curious to me about it is that everyone agrees there's some sort of conspiracy or cover-up. Everyone agrees. Yes. Not the National Review. The National Review may be arguing that it's a conspiracy on the part of the deep state. Yes. There there you go. It's a conspiracy. That's fair. So if people are more what, – what does National Review have? What's their take, Noel? Well, they say Republicans must reject Russia hoax conspiracies and examine the evidence. But that was the second one I pulled up. The first, the first one simply states Mueller has nothing. Wow. So maybe the idea here is that this investigation is an excuse to persecute the executive administration, right? Yeah, well, this is the conspiracy theory that they say needs to be put to rest, is the Trump-Russia investigation um, has been an attempt by Hillary Clinton's people um, in the government, in the federal government, to uh, intervene in the election, quoting the rest of this part, uh, to, quote, intervene in the election to help Clinton. Let me continue this quote for a second. Everything that has followed is thus the fruit of a poisonous tree of efforts to entrap or ensnare innocent, unsuspecting Trump campaign officials or Trump allies with a prosecutor bent on manufacturing process crimes through various perjury traps and other nefarious means. Ah, perjury trap. That's an interesting term. Have we, have we all heard perjury trap before? The idea is that you're forcing someone it, – it's kind of like a new version of gotcha journalism or interviewing. You're forcing someone – to testify with the intent of pushing them in a situation where they must perjure themselves. Ah. And it's it's a legit thing. It's a it's a type of prosecutorial misconduct, but for most people who hear that phrase unattached to this investigation, it sounds like there's a very easy way to avoid a perjury trap. It is to tell the truth in a court of law. Yeah. But what if you did something wrong? It's like calling – OK. It's, it's kind of like calling shoplifting a shoplifting trap. There's an easy way not to fall into that trap. Just don't shoplift. No, no. They call it the shop would be the shoplifting trap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But look at all this pretty stuff in here. Yep. How could I not steal it? I can't help myself. The whole thing is a setup, guys. So I like that idea. I think it's interesting, the, the argument that the Mueller investigation is being – um, maintained or powered by the deep state to what to take the heat off the Clinton investigation? Is the Clinton that... investigation's over, though. Uh, yeah, well, not in some people's minds, right? The National Review seems bonkers, you guys. I just, I just, <laughs> I just like I, I didn't know what this was to be honest. And it seems we should probably pick a different third choice because you've got Fox News and you had what did you have? The ben? Economist. The Economist it's seems pretty. Relatively level-headed and unbiased-ish. Well, I can tell you this kind of piles on a little bit from uh, Fox News. Uh, just it's one uh, of the top stories. This go recent, for it. Just go really for fast. It. Yeah. Uh, headline is: False statement charges abound in Mueller probe in contrast to Hillary Clinton case. So in this case, uh, they're discussing how basically Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were being investigated for some of the same things. Um, and then they're saying ex- – they're piling on with exactly what you were saying about uh, 
perjury, the USC 1001 making false statements to FBI agents. Um, it sounds kind of like the perjury trap thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's very interesting talking about the contrast in the case against Hillary Clinton, I guess, through the email investigation um, with false charges. It says, uh, not a single person interviewed during Hillary Clinton's investigation was hit with false statement charges. Although, what is it, five out of the six campaign associates in um, in the Trump campaign have been charged with that? What is it, USC 1001? So it is an interesting idea comparing Hillary Clinton's email investigation mm-hmm. to this current Mueller probe, but it does um, doesn't feel equivalent to me. But so the implication then is that the two cases are being treated differently. Yeah, because I guess the long-standing government officials and people working within the FBI and other associations that are closer to the Clintons are going after Trump. Oh yeah, we should make that definition clear. So when you hear people talk about the deep state, what they're typically talking about nowadays is going to be called a more conservative or right-wing conspiracy theory. But what the deep state meant before that, and it's important to remember this term was maybe resurrected or popularized in this current administration, but what the deep state actually describes is a web of tremendously influential and unelected long-serving members of things like the military or right. things like the like intelligence shadow governments, agencies. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so now, now it's being used as pejorative, like a, a term of abuse for the – Opposition, right? There was always a uh, there was always something like a deep state. You need to look no further than the CIA's activities or interventions in foreign governments to realize that. But the the part where it becomes a little more conspiratorial is the assumption that all these actors work together. You know yes. what I mean? Because it's it it's real tough to get intelligence agencies to share information with each other even when they're friendly. If you're if you're rated on your ability to collect and keep secrets, you're not in the business of sharing those secrets. That's a really good point. Well, that's a, that's that's where we're at. Now, let's maybe look at the other side. All right. Okay. So on the other side, we should say the Economist is a little bit more. It's it's conservative mm-hmm. for the UK, so it would probably pass as more centrist here in the United States. But in The Economist uh, and more so in left-wing media publications, you'll hear, uh, you'll hear people say – I think we already used this phrase – that the Mueller investigation is a nail in the coffin of the presidency, right, and may lead to impeachment. You'll hear people compare this a lot to the Watergate investigation. However, Nixon resigned. Yeah. Nixon resigned. He was not – he probably would have been forced out of office, but he he fell on his sword first. And while you can make some very very interesting parallels, these are these are two different cases. Um, the people who the people who believe that the investigation is going to lead to um, indictments for the president, the currently serving president of the U.S. Uh, are pointing to evidence of this uh, through close reading of different deals that have been made like Manafort, Cohen and so on. One thing one thing that seems pretty certain is that the investigation is going to continue 
uh, despite some people calling for it to be canceled, right? Or yeah. to be, um, I guess, canceled is the wrong word. It's not a TV show. Yeah, yet, but that's, that's exactly <laughs> how it's seen by uh, certain parties. Uh, you, you make a really great point here because I'm just going to hit you with this NPR headline that came out on December 10th, 2018. Hit me right in the throat with it. Lay it on me. It's exactly what you're saying, Ben. The Russia investigations, colon, maybe the end is in sight. Maybe it isn't. 2019. That's very broad. <laughs> That's really funny. No, because I actually heard some some commentators recently talking about how because of uh, some clues, context clues that have been dropped in some of these documents mm-hmm. and some of the redacted pieces that they feel like it's winding down. But then you hear just as many people saying like, no, this is not – the end is not in sight. Like who's individual one? That's yeah. a mystery. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And the uh, the president of the U.S. himself – has already answered written questions that were submitted from the Mueller office and people don't know what those questions were and they don't know what the answers to those questions were. So a lot of the stuff that people are saying is speculative and it's guesswork. That doesn't mean that it's immediately invalid. It just means that it none, none of this stuff has been made public, that exchange at least. And The Economist argues that there's a possibility that some of the answers from the executive office contradict what the Mueller team knows now. And I'll quote The Economist here. It's not us. To make that clear, we'll do a British voice. One theme from hundreds of pages of indictments is that the people around the president lied frequently and easily, even under oath. It is a management cliche that culture is set at the top. That was true of the Trump campaign too. That was a good Mike O'Kane. Yeah, got <laughs> Thanks, it. Thanks, guys. Understand. But that's, I mean, I want to make it clear that we're we're quoting the economist here and they go on to say that even if the president had provably lied under oath, the Department of Justice, the DOJ guidelines caution against indicting a sitting president. Some people on the other side say that you can't do that, right? And these are people who are high up in the court system as well. Yeah, it's true. So that is a developing story and we don't know the answer for it. But uh, you know what? If you are listening to this show and you decide to take a page from our book and you say, let me Google – the Mueller investigation right now and see what happens. You are going to find new information probably. You are also going to find different things because depending on the search engine you use, you are going to be shown news sources with which certain algorithms believe you already agree. Yeah, and even if you're reading something like a single source like NPR, you will find, as I just did, two competing articles which exist which were both published December 10th, 2018. One of them says, Trump declares he's cleared from Mueller investigation. The next one says, latest in Mueller's probe is damning for Trump. (laughs) So it's like, (laughs) yeah, it's just, uh, what do you believe, man? And again, it's, it's strange because everybody agrees that there is something amiss. Yep. Just not what, uh, speaking of things that are amiss, uh, Remember when those 3,000 Google employees signed a petition protesting Google's involvement with the DOD? Talking about Maven? Yeah, Project Maven, which sounds like (laughs) – some reason it reminds me of Project Runway. Like I would watch a show that was Project Runway but for drones and you you had a team that had to build a drone. Totally. I would watch it. 
I watched the original Project One Runway. Is that like BattleBots? Similar, but they would have to they would have to maybe not necessarily fight one another every time because in BattleBots they only fight other bots. That's right. They would they would, they would fight models. They would fly around. They would yeah. They would fight models. There we go. They would fight models. Uh, they would run different missions. So they would probably like race. They would try to sneak into places. Um, there might be a talent portion of the event where they have to do some like cute tricks. I don't know. Producers just write to us. Run with it. Yeah. And give us our percentage, right? Please. Oh, so what's going on with Project Maven right now? I was doing a little Googling to see the protests and everything, but I'm not seeing a ton of movement at least. Um, it It looks like a bunch of people said they were taking a stand as the protests were really heating up. And that was right around Thanksgiving, it looks like. Um, there was even some protesting in China that was taking place. Right. Well, we know that as of June 2018, uh, Google planned not to, quote, renew its contract. Mm. But there's something else that happened more recently. Uh, Google is apparently losing its mind trying to prevent leaks now. There's a – yeah, let me find the Reddit story. I see something here from the New York Post and I'm just going to read this. It says – you leakers, ex-Google worker says, company focusing on anti-leak efforts. Yep, that's the <laughs> one. That's the one. And that broke just a couple of days ago. Yeah. And now stopping leaks has become management's, quote, number one priority. So rather than having uh, transparent conversations or accountability with the public, Google, the company that once upon a time promised to not be evil, is now making sure that they've clamped down and no word gets out. For a lot of people, especially the more cynical amongst us, that is absolutely not a surprise. It's kind of like when all those internal docs got released recently about Facebook and it turns out that, yeah, they're in it for the money. It's not – again, that's like, that's like watching uh, Friday the 13th and saying, oh, I bet Jason Voorhees is the killer. You're probably going to be right. And are is it is it performative? Is it theatrical to act surprised? To some degree, it is. I would argue. You know, it feels a little theatrical in like the best way ever. What's that? Ben's badass sunglasses that he's wearing in uh, the studio right now. Especially since I can see his uh, computer screen reflected <laughs> yeah. in each of them. Yeah, and it looks like he has like robot eyes. Uh, thanks. Guys. Seriously, Thank it's you. really cool. Thank you. Yeah, it's. Uh, been weird lately. Uh, speaking of weird, there's also the Pentagon secret UFO program. We have an update on that. So we had uh, we had a great conversation with Jeremy Corbell mm-hmm. a while back, the documentarian and filmmaker who worked with people involved in the Pentagon secret UFO program, which sounds. Nuts and bananas, right? It sounds like that's the kind of breakfast dish it would be. But it turns out that is completely true. The Pentagon had a long-running secret UFO program. They poured millions of dollars into it. I think like 321 or something. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest announcements that came out about this that Jeremy Corbell hipped us to as well was that Bigelow Airspace, who had 
participated hand-in-hand with the Pentagon in this investigation, had claimed to not only observed credible reports of unidentified flying objects, but they had further claimed that they captured some of these objects or equipment or pieces of gear and that these were being held in a Bigelow-owned warehouse. And to triple down on this, they said several of these artifacts or these pieces of material were probably metal, but they were an unknown, never-before-encountered alien alloy, and people could not identify it. So we got some updates from some experts, some metallurgists, and uh, some other people in the know about material science. So yeah, I mean, the experts are particularly doubtful about the uh, unknown alloy claims. Gosh, un- unknown alloy is hard to say. Yeah. It's a rural juror. Yeah, it really metal, is. Unknown, unknown oil. I'm glad I got it right the first time. <laughs> so uh, a Times reporter named Ralph Blumenthal um, told MSNBC, quote, they have, as we reported in the paper, some material from these objects that is being studied so that scientists can find what accounts for their amazing properties, this technology of these objects, whatever they are. Uh, and then whenever asked what materials they were, Blumenthal said that he didn't know but that they it was being studied and that it was some kind of compound that they did not recognize. So not a hell of a lot of new information there. Yeah, that's the thing. Later, they followed up with people like Richard Socklebin. Uh, it's a tough name to say as well, who's a retired chemist and a member of the American Chemical Society's panels. And he said it's impossible for there to be an unknown alien alloy because alloys are mixtures of different kinds of elemental metals and they're extremely common. In fact, according to Dr. Soklobin, they're more common on Earth than pure elemental metals are, and we understand them very well. Brass is an alloy, so is steel. Even the most naturally occurring gold on Earth is an alloy of gold and other metals like silver or copper. And May Nyman, a professor at Oregon State University Department of Chemistry, follows on to say there are databases of all known phases of metal, including alloys. So their argument here is that, first off, they're heavily implying that this is being marketed to just sell interest or get clicks and that it's not, you know, UFO metal or uh, flying saucer metal. And they go into detail. You can find them going into detail explaining how easy it is to test this stuff. They're all very standard techniques and research labs, says Nyman. So if we had such mysterious metals, you could take it to any university where research is done. They could tell you what all the elements are and something about the crystalline phase within a few hours. So they're implying that if this stuff is still mysterious and we still don't know what it is or what these amazing properties are, then it's simply because no one is testing it. Aha, because it's just sitting somewhere in a with warehouse. Bigelow. Well, um, this this Scientific American article has the best quote, especially when applied to this show, that I've seen in a long time. So I'm going to read it to you. It's from uh, Sacklebun or uh, Satchelbin, as I'm going to refer to him as Satchelbin, All right. just because I enjoy saying it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, quote, There's not as many mysteries in science as people like to think. It's not like we know everything. 
We don't know everything, but most things we know enough about to know what we don't know. Brilliant. Yeah, he thought that through. I like that quote too. <laughs> I, I still have to say, guys, I'm hoping beyond hope. I'm, I'm, I'm holding steadfast to the optimism that there will be something credible, legitimate, and provable found. You know, not mm-hmm. just not just video footage of mysterious lights or objects in the sky, but a physical thing. You know, my my money is on it probably being suppressed government technology. That's what a lot of these reports end up being but how cool would it be how cool would it be if it was if it were something from somewhere else i would lose my mind would you still come into work you guys if it was proven that we've been visited since 1947 by an extraterrestrial species and they're in fact in control of all world governments like, and that, maybe not the next day but I, I would, would you I, still just go to work i would yeah it'd be fun i don't, I don't I think to, i could no It'd be great for the show. That's true. <laughs> it, would, oh, it, might, it might rob us of some of the mystery. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we could interview, you know, if they all went public, then imagine we could interview an extraterrestrial and the person who, who was saying, yeah, I knew about this the whole time. I'm sorry. I couldn't tell you. So we'd have like crossfire, but with the extraterrestrials yeah, 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 and yeah. then humans. Or then maybe, I mean – uh, members of my family, my that might be some revelatory stuff when they say, "Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was doing." You know what I mean? Maybe members of your families too. Maybe members of your family. Maybe you listeners. Maybe you have some info to drop. Feel free to do so. We'll do a quick teaser for something that um, we had talked about off air. That's that's very dark. We won't do too much on it because we're going to do this in an upcoming episode very soon, early 2019, and that is the Jeffrey Epstein saga. Jeffrey Epstein is, by some accounts, a multimillionaire, by other accounts, a billionaire, and for years there have been rumors swarming around uh, his his home in Florida uh, concerning his sexual proclivities. He according to the stories and according to the allegations, is a serial abuser of children. And not only that, is he a serial abuser of children, but the allegations are that – or at least the rumors are that he may assist others in their attempt to also abuse children. Right. Current President Donald Trump, former President uh, William Clinton, um, among many, many, many others. Here's the thing. He did eventually go to court for this and some people who refused to be silent or paid off because he settled out of court often. Um, in 2005, he was accused of sexually assaulting a teenage girl at his home in Palm Beach. Law enforcement expanded the investigation to other assaults including at his private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes, he has a private island. Yes, he has a private island and – the thing that happened where an ordinary person would probably be under the jail for this, uh, Epstein was able to get a non-prosecution agreement. He had to spend just over a year in county jail, kind of. He stayed in a vacant wing of the jail by himself and then he was released on a work release program for 12 hours a day, six days a week to go hang out at his private office. And Did we mention who his lawyers were? We did not. Got him that? We should mention that. Who are they? A guy named Alan Dershowitz. 
mm-hmm. and someone you might recognize from the Clinton uh, the Clinton early days, the uh, first Clinton prosecutor Kenneth W. Starr. Kenneth mm-hmm. Starr. I've heard of those guys? Yeah, uh, huge huge lawyers. Go. It should go without saying that this sort of investi- or this sort of deal is anomalous to say the least. So this non-prosecution agreement is sealed. We can't read it. And it grants federal immunity to Epstein and four named accomplices and also to, quote, any unnamed potential co-conspirators. So that means that despite the fact that other victims or alleged victims have come forward and said, this happened to me, this is real, and it wasn't just Epstein, it was his buddies, and I'll name their names, even if they can prove it, according to this agreement, if it holds up, they cannot be federally prosecuted. Wow. It's a dark, dark thing, but we are going to dive Uh. into it in a future episode. This is the end of the year as we know it. Uh, What better way to do a few predictions, you know? How do you guys feel? Fine? About the end of the year? Yeah, as we know it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm ready for 2019. It's it's one of those years that's kind of in between what feels like in between one of the big ones because we're about to be in 2020. I know, but time is an illusion, my friend. Time is a flat circle. That too. It's a flat illusion. It's not even 3D. It's just a star and we're just dust floating around it, you know? Dust in the wind. In the cosmic rays. So we can't make a, a few predictions here, right? Uh, first off, the Mueller investigation can continue. There will probably be some blowback from there. Uh, it's in your best interest, in the best interest of everyone you know, to keep an eye on genetic experimentation. The watershed moment has begun very soon. Very soon. Uh, Gattaca. Yeah. Gattaca. Very Gattaca, soon we're right? going to see things similar to Gattaca, yeah. Uh, but also – will see burgeoning uh, effects of economic inequality on oh, a yeah. global scale. You know, uh, Can you imagine your children dying from disease because you did not have the money to get the right sort of snip-snip in your genetic code? Climate concerns, we didn't even address that. There's a huge report that's been released about that. Numerous animals will go extinct in the wild. One of the big questions is whether we are edging toward a full-on War, like a hot war, not an information war, not a propaganda war. You may want to do a hot take on the impending hot war. Okay. Uh, no! I think it's happening. I know, but that's just me reacting to it actually happening. I mean, man, just like the the stuff that's going on with China right now and like the trade wars and, um, you know, actively like we've, we've, uh, we've detained the Mm. daughter of the, the giant Chinese telecom company. That's just the kind of thing that you see, look back in history as like a kind of an Archduke Franz Ferdinand type moment, you know? I mean, I'm not trying to be alarmist, but it really does feel like some of the things that are going on right now could just like all of a sudden it's like, you know, full on chaos. Yeah. Well, war is changing too. If we're talking about hot takes, there's going to be – there are going to be um, contained events. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's still utter chaos in Syria. And Russia and the U.S. and Western powers are still fighting there, right? Uh, But I think now that it's so much easier to control a lot of national and international media, there could be a war going on that people aren't aware of. There could be an invisible war. With extraterrestrials. 
So we will continue making this show until uh, until we can't. Until Paul refuses to edit anymore because we keep making dirty jokes and then asking him to edit them out. I know. I'm he, sorry. We've got so much dirt on us, Mission Control. Uh, we want to hear your predictions. As always, thank you for listening. What do you think will happen in 2019 in the world of conspiracies, cover-ups, and other fringe events just off the side of the stage of the American mainstream or the international mainstream? And you could talk with your fellow listeners, the most important part of this show, on our Facebook page. Here's where it gets crazy. If you don't want to do that, give us a call. We are one eight three three S T D W Y T K. Leave a message, and you will get on the show at some point. Hopefully, can it happen? That's a lot of caveats. Just because there's so many messages, we have to go through them. All. How about this? Make your message really shine. Yeah, and then you'll be on the show. There you go, and no copyright, please. So don't uh, play any music or anything in the background. We had a couple of those. Really? Yeah. Uh, we can't play that. Just so you know. That's right. It's a good way to get yourself excluded. Right out. That's right. If you don't want to do any of that stuff, send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. And by the way, we're just checking in back over at worldometers.info, and 10,000 people were born while we've been recording this episode. 10,000 human beings. So congratulations, world. There you go. Pour one out for them. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Attention, true crime enthusiast. Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.